This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Moments away from denunciations, and we'll try and get to your calls as well. Our phone number is 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. In the immortal words of Frank Costanza, I have a lot of problems with you people, and they are memorialized in this week's list of... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations. I want to denounce anyone who swats another person. Do you know what swatting is? I mean, this is when you call and you basically say that there's a bomb or a weapon situation or a hostage situation at someone's home and then a SWAT team comes. Well... Over the holidays, we've seen three Republican members of Congress, at least, Rick Scott, uh, Brandon Williams of uh, New York, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, all victims of swatting incidents. And now in Boston, the Boston mayor, Michelle Wu, her home was swatted on Christmas Day by a caller claiming that a man shot his wife inside. Now, this is reprehensible reprehensible if you don't like what someone's doing don't vote for them contribute to the other guy loudly protest but to actually disrupt people's homes like this this is just reprehensible to anybody that thinks this kind of thing is okay i was almost reluctant to mention it because we have some people that are a little unbalanced that listen to the program such as the nature of late night radio so be it and I wouldn't. I don't want to give them any ideas to swat folks that they don't like, least of all me. If you look at some of the comments about me in our Facebook group, I can see a lot of people wanting to swat me. Please don't do that. But if you're a swatter, if you're someone that calls false reports of uh, violence or killings or bombs or weapons into the police just to bother someone, to annoy someone, I do denounce you. I must also denounce... The streaming services, including Amazon Primes, all of your streaming services are getting a little more expensive in 2024. Netflix has raised the cost of its subscription multiple times since its launch. Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus, they've all gotten more expensive. Paramount Plus, Peacock, Shudder, Stars, any service you can name is going up. Now, Amazon Prime Video is not only going up, 
But they're going to start showing ads on January 29th. Customers have the option of paying an additional $3 if they don't want the ads. Now, part of the fun thing about watching the streaming services is that there aren't ads. So um, we probably will pay for the the two ninety nine to not have the ads. But, I mean, how greedy can you get? These streaming services are doing better than ever. Well, not as well as they did during the lockdowns. But these streaming services are making money like crazy. If you paid a dollar in taxes last year, you paid more than Netflix did. And they have to keep squeezing the same folks. Netflix has already prohibited password sharing. There's no telling how many new customers they've gotten from that. They've already ended the DVD service, which they said was still profitable, but was least profitable. And now they're all just raising prices. I mean, at some point, it just becomes too much. So streaming services, especially Amazon Prime, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the 16-year-old crook who stole a French bulldog from a New York City dog walker on Christmas morning. This is horrible. Um, A Queens teen took his French bulldog for a walk on Christmas morning only to see the dog snatched away from him at gunpoint by a heartless 16-year-old crook. So the dog's 15-year-old owner was outside the Queensbridge houses in Long Island City when the older teen stormed up and whipped out a gun 9 o'clock in the morning. The crook tells him, you have five seconds to run as he holds the pistol to the boy's chest. The victim dropped his dog's leash and ran off. The mugger then grabbed the leash and walked off with the dog that he just stole. Dog's name Six. So the victim managed to call police and uh, NYPD housing units spotted this dog-stealing bandit a few blocks away. And when the mugger saw officers approaching, he tossed his gun over a fence into a parking lot. Cops recovered the weapon and they took the teen into custody. Investigators charged the suspect with menacing, petty larceny, and weapons possession. Uh, The media is not printing his name because he's a juvenile. The teen was ordered held on $20,000 bail. Now, I hate that description, petty larceny. Now, this dog means a lot to this teenage kid. So maybe the uh, dollar value of the dog qualifies as petty larceny. But I really do think that the emotional value of a dog to to anyone, but especially to a 15-year-old, is something that should make this a little bit more than just petty larceny. Now, I'm sure this being New York, this guy is probably already out of prison or out of jail. No idea if that's true, but that's horrible. Um, So if you're the 16-year-old crook who stole this French bulldog at gunpoint, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Spirit Airlines. You know, Spirit Airlines almost participated in a Home Alone remake. An unaccompanied six-year-old boy, an unaccompanied six-year-old child, was flying on Spirit Airlines to visit his grandmother in Fort Myers, Florida. And instead, this six-year-old was put on a flight to Orlando. Now, you put a six-year-old on the wrong flight 
to the wrong city, that is a pretty big mistake. In, in an email, I, I'm still sometimes afraid to fly by myself. Can you imagine as a six-year-old? In an email uh, statement to CNN, Spirit Airlines apologized to the family, saying the child was supposed to fly from Philadelphia to Southwest Florida International Airport. Instead, the child was incorrectly boarded on a plane to Orlando. Don't you love the way they phrase that? The child was incorrectly boarded on a flight to Orlando. It just happened. Just happened. We don't know how. Just happened. Well, it happened because somebody from Spirit Airlines told this six-year-old to go on the wrong flight. Poor kid. So after the plane, he was uh, supposed to be, uh, you know, he's been reunited with his family, and they had to drive 160 miles from Fort Myers to Orlando to pick up the kid. Terrible. So Spirit Airlines, I do denounce you. Uh, This is very serious and very disconcerting. But I really do feel the need to mention this. There is a fascinating article in the New York Times yesterday. Headline, Hamas weaponized sexual violence on October 7th. I have to tell you, when I first heard the stories about the women being raped as they were held hostage by Hamas, and even during the Hamas terrorist attack on Israel on October 2nd, um, even those that weren't held hostage... I thought, okay, what they're describing is just so incredibly evil and horrible that I feel like somebody might be exaggerating something. Maybe they're taking one incident and blowing it up into just this being a part of the strategy. And then we started to hear from these hostages that, yes, they were raped, and it seems like it was systemic. This incredible New York Times investigation, they did a two-month investigation— And they have uncovered, uh, this is not for the faint of heart to read, but if you can bear it, I think it's important to read. They have uncovered the painful new details about this pattern of rape, mutilation, and extreme brutality used against Israeli women. Sexual attacks against women were not isolated events, but they're part of a broader pattern of gender-based violence. So the Times reviewed video footage photographs, GPS data from mobile phones, and they did interviews with more than 150 people, including witnesses, medical personnel, soldiers, rape counselors, and they identified at least seven locations where Israeli women and girls appeared to have been sexually assaulted or mutilated. Witnesses described finding more than 30 bodies of women and girls in and around the rave site and two in and in two kibitzim who were left with their legs spread, their clothes torn off, and signs of abuse in their genital areas. Hamas has denied accusations that such acts occurred. This investigation by the New York Times, it makes clear that Hamas is not only evil, but they're lying. This absolutely did occur. And this is this is not just evil. This is really satanic. I mean... Uh, whatever case you want to make about Palestinian liberation, okay. You want to somehow justify this as decolonization, I think that's a weak argument, but okay. There is no way at all that you can justify terrorists raping innocent people. 
I mean, it's just, I don't care if your country's been occupied, what you consider to be your country has been occupied for a thousand years. This is horrible and singularly horrific. So Hamas, I do denounce you. I must also denounce a man who stole a piece of Banksy's art featuring three military drones on a stop sign less than an hour after the elusive artist unveiled it in London. Thankfully, he has been arrested and a man in his 20s was taken into custody on suspicion of theft and criminal damage. Now, I mean, it's one thing if you want to steal. It's terrible. But to steal a piece of Banksy's art, to steal a Banksy masterpiece, there's just no... No excuse for that at all. So these Banksy, to this Banksy thief, I do denounce you. And I want to denounce these students in Alabama at the Demopolis Middle School where they, these students actually used AI to create pornographic images of female classmates. Now, I, I don't care that these kids are... 13 or whatever they are. What a loser. I mean, you're going to just create AI pornography of your classmates. It's so degrading. It's such, it's the kind of thing that if you do, it's not a prank. It's not, it's not even alluring. It's just such a low life. Now, I know sometimes when you're in seventh, eighth grade, you're blinded by your hormones. I get that. Trying not to judge too harshly, but to have these girls displayed as pornography for images they never posed for it's reprehensible absolutely reprehensible and uh, one two three four mothers said that uh, their daughter's male classmates created and shared these explicit photos of their daughters and uh, I can't imagine what that's like not just for the daughters but for the parents as well I want to denounce Montana Montana has once again topped the list of the worst states for drunk driving. New Jersey, by the way, has the lowest rate of drunk driving. Montana ranks as the worst state for drunk driving with 8.57 drunk drivers involved in fatal crashes for every 100,000 licensed drivers. More than two-fifths of traffic deaths in Montana are caused by drunk drivers. Underage drinkers are also at high risk in Montana. The state has the worst rate of uh, drunk drivers under age 21. Now, I've seen stuff like this about Montana before, and I've never understood it. Maybe it's because nothing's near anything, and you can't just walk from place to place. You can't hop in a taxi or an Uber without paying a fortune. But I will not be going out in Montana on New Year's Eve. I will tell you that. And then, um, penultimately... And this is not at all an endorsement of uh, Donald Trump. But I really do have to denounce the main secretary of state for the ruling of uh, a prohibition of Donald Trump from this uh, 2024 ballot. This is just absurd. So the main secretary of state, uh, Shenna Bellows, ruled that Trump's primary petition is invalid. The decision was released Thursday night with the Secretary of State concluding Trump does not qualify to hold the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Now, 
There is no, no court decision here. There's no criminal conviction. The Secretary of State just decided this on their own. So the Secretary of State just seized the power to unilaterally block presidential candidates from the ballot based on a brand new non-judicial administrative procedure she literally just made up herself, supposedly to enforce the federal 14th Amendment. I, You know, it's been a while since I took a constitutional law class, but I've never seen a Secretary of State be empowered without any sort of a court to not... And I mean, at least in Colorado, it was a court decision that kept him off the ballot. I've never seen a secretary of state empowered not to put someone on the ballot. So if you look at her 34 page ruling, which I I read most of right before the show, page 18 acknowledges that Section three does not bar anyone from voting for any candidate. Instead, it says the individual cannot hold the office. But then the ruling mentions several court precedents that say states may keep unqualified candidates off various ballots. Not one of the cases she cited is binding in Maine. Not one. Can you, and this is what's in there. This is her defense. So the ruling doesn't go into effect until after a Maine Superior Court has a chance to hear any appeal, which I imagine is going to be forthcoming. And this is, in some ways, a bigger deal than Colorado because whoever the Democrat is is going to win Colorado anyway. But Maine allocates its electoral votes by congressional district. And Trump won the second congressional district in both 2016 and 2020. So he got one electoral vote from Maine in the last two elections. So it's not as if, oh, he was going to lose Maine anyway. It makes no difference. This would result in one electoral vote changing hands. And again, I would say the same thing if... um, They were trying to keep Biden or anybody else off the ballot. And finally, I want to denounce the city of Philadelphia. (laughs) The city of Philadelphia just bought a whole bunch of electric vehicles for for their city fleet. Okay, that's great. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions, using less gasoline, don't have to fill up. Makes sense. They did not buy enough chargers for the vehicles that they've purchased. So for these vehicles, you see all these electric vehicle drivers waiting for a turn to plug into one of the public chargers at a strip mall. Now think of all of the wasted productivity because they didn't bother ordering the same amount of chargers as they did vehicles. Now, whatever you think about electric power this is make this is absurd so this has led to this domino effect of other drivers who drive these electric cars waiting for the city workers to finish charging so this is not just screwing the city workers that are driving these electric vehicles this is screwing up everybody in the city that drives an electric vehicle this is crazy all right um, if you want to comment on anyone I have denounced, you are welcome to do so at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
other side of midnight with Frank Morano. the hour this is culture club time so uh tony are we out of uh are we out of uh, mike and new rochelle's musical selections for the for the day or will there be some more later uh, unfortunately um this the, the list that he gave us we don't have none All of right. that in our archives so he has very esoteric tastes very All you right. know the only one we found was on um, the frogman song earlier mm-hmm. tonight okay well so uh so be it so be it all right we're gonna get to your calls in a moment um, let me, I want to play this for you because I had this on my list all weekend. Tucker Carlson has been increasingly outspoken on the issue of UFOs over the course of the last few years. And he went on some podcast, uh, I don't remember which one, but a podcast of a friend of his, and he went on talking about his belief in uh, UFOs. And the UFO, the UAP or UFO issue in general. And, uh, you know, look, I definitely, I have no idea what these UAPs are. But I think there's something there. I absolutely do. And I thought the theory, he was on the show Breaking Points. Now, this is not the first podcast that he did on this. So he did a podcast last week. And then they asked him about it on Breaking Points. Now, Breaking Points is actually a good show. It's uh, it's very heterodox. It's uh, it's got someone on the left. It's got someone on the right. They're both very good, though, and they're both kind of anti-establishment, which I like. I, that's kind of my thing. I like anti-establishment left wing, anti-establishment right wing. But rather than just you know somebody that's going to be towing the line for the establishment of whatever, so they're. He goes on Breaking Points, which is a big show. It's got 1.2 million subscribers on YouTube. So it's got a big audience. And he addresses his previous comments about UFOs. And initially, I thought, well, let me just play 30 seconds of it. Let me just play a minute of it. I'm going to play you the whole thing. Because I think what he says here is so interesting and so thought-provoking I think it's absolutely worth considering. Here's Tucker Carlson on Breaking Points. I think I know the comment you're referring to is on Clayton Morris, is an old friend of mine called Clayton Morris's podcast. That's a great guy. Really interested in this topic, and and I said that there are things that I don't want to talk about, and I, as usual, didn't fully explain myself. If I had, you know, verifiable facts about this phenomenon, I would immediately 
put them on the air because I'm committed to that completely because my whole life is about that. So um, I should have said more clearly, I, I can't be certain. This is just what I believe based on, you know, talking to an awful lot of people about this, some of whom I trust a lot, some of whom I trust sort of. I mean, you're trying to piece it together from lots of different places, but um, no, they're, they're, this, these are my views, okay? They can't be proven, uh, but they're, I think they're informed views. Um, the, the, the phenomenon is real. It's been recorded for thousands of years. We know that. Um, there's something buzzing around us in the skies, but also uh, under the oceans, we now know, and probably underground as well. Um, so it's real. Uh, the government's lied about it a million different ways, probably for a million different reasons for at least 80 years. That's also confirmed. They're lying about it now. Who knows what their motives are? And they're also trying to keep a lot of the stuff from being disclosed. That's true. Yes. So, so to those people, it's like, it's a PSYOP. Well, yeah, everything's a PSYOP. But I know for a dead certain fact, and it's provable, that, say, Mitch McConnell and Speaker Johnson and people who should, and a couple committee chairmen who should all know better are trying to prevent the UAP Disclosure Act of 2023 from taking effect in a meaningful way. So they are trying to hide it still. That's a fact. My own view is that these are not aliens. Um, there's no evidence that they've come from somewhere else. We would probably know. We've got a lot of a lot of technology that's watching what comes in and out of the atmosphere, and there's no evidence of that. I think they've been here forever. Hmm. Um, I'm, I don't. They're not. I don't. This is my view. Again, it can't be proven, but I'm just telling you. After a lot of conversations. Um, I think it's likely that the U.S. government has con had contact with these, uh, direct contact, and, you know, over a direct period of years, contact. I find that really disturbing um, because I, you know, and, and, a, and a bunch of other things that, I, that are highly distressing that I can't prove, and so I'm certainly not going to throw them out there, but I can, I'll tell you this, I've talked to a lot of people about this, not because, I've never been interested in UFOs until like five years ago, and I was like, wait, this is real, what is this, why aren't we talking about this? I'm just like coming at it from a totally idiotic, I don't know anything, curious position, which is my normal posture on everything. And so I've talked to a lot of people, and my view is that there, you know, this is my opinion, that there are things about this that are really disturbing. And while I hate any kind of government secrecy, and if I could prove any of this, I would say it immediately, consequences be damned, I do sort of understand why they don't want to let this stuff out. It's not about, oh, we've got fragments of one of these crafts at a Lockheed, you know, facility in California and we have biologics from the craft. You know, everyone knows that that's likely true. Well, it's certainly true that they have the, you know, pieces of this stuff. Yep. But I think it's likely that it's, it's, it's darker than that and that the U.S. government is, I said the U.S. government, people in the U.S. government, not the U.S. government, but, you know, there are parts, it's a vast, it's the largest human organization in history, parts of it you know, have knowledge that is very, very disturbing. And um, I personally think, strongly think, um, that there's a spiritual component to this spiritual. that I don't understand and will not pretend to understand. Um, but I think it's very clear that there's a spiritual component to this. That's one of the reasons the Vatican, and I'm, again, I'm not Catholic, but has been involved in this for over 100 years as an observatory, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious that these are not men from Mars. That, I think that was a PSYOP, because I think the truth is a little bit wilder and has deeper implications just than, than that. That was three minutes, 46 seconds. I found almost every sentence in what he just said, every three minutes and 46 seconds, incredibly thought-provoking. One, his thought that these entities that are being seen don't come from space, but that they're on the planet already. Where have we heard that? We've heard that from Bill Burns, that they're already here. 
his belief uh, that this is not even up for debate, that it's essentially we know that it's true. I, I mean, I always allow some wiggle room. No wiggle room from him. The fact that he brings up a spiritual component, very similar to what we've heard on the ancient alien hypothesis. I, I thought it was very interesting. I'm curious what you thought of his comments. 800-848-9222. By the way, a UFO was spotted hovering over Air Force One during a fundraising trip that President Biden took to L.A. earlier this month in uh, footage shared online by two amateur plane trackers. The footage captured from a live stream of LAX by brothers Peter and Joshua Solorzano shows a mysterious balloon-like object seemingly hovering over Air Force One during Biden's December 10th trip. And a few viewers are saying we saw a UFO. The pair filming at LAX as two F-35 fighter jets monitored the skies for the president excitedly point out that the jets being refueled midair before the shiny white or silver object darted across the sky. Now, who knows what that is. Could be anything, but it does look like there's something there. I don't know what it is. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Lisa in Connecticut. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Um, Very riveting, that whole thing that you just went through, but I want to go back to the plastic situation. Do you know what... Idionella sakinesis is. You're going to have to fill me in. I don't. Okay. So in the city of Sakai, Japan, they found an enzyme that breaks down plastic. Now, that's one thing. And then for years, I've been on this whole thing about uh, the superworm. Did you know about the superworm? Is that also something that eats plastic? There's actually 50 different bugs out there there's 50 known species of plastivores or plastic eating organisms one of them is the superworm another one is called the greater wax moth it's actually a caterpillar and it it can actually help us if we could get that over here and it could eat the plastic all of those things there's 50 different basically uh, known species of plastivores out there that could help us and they could eat the plastic. Well, you know, I actually talked about that a little bit when it was first reported. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's great. I think that's very exciting. I think scientists should absolutely look into that because clearly it's, uh, it's a big problem, a big problem indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, are, am I going to see you at the New Year's Eve party on Saturday? Um, let me see if I can, um, uh, let me see. Let me see, see what you can do. It would be great to have you. A lot of our listeners are going to come. That'll be fun. Um, Neil is in Baltimore. Hey, Neil, you are the only previous listener of the week that I don't have your email address. So I tried to send you a ballot for the year end awards, but I don't have your email. Funny you should mention that because the last few times I've talked to you, I forgot to thank you. Because I'd never even heard that I was listener of the week until maybe two weeks later. Well, it shows so, that uh, that your selection of listener of the week was poorly placed. Because if you were a real listener of the week, you'd be listening to every minute of this show. <laughs> yeah, kudos. Frank. I'm not joking at all. <laughs> so, never been uh, picked. The 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 uh, fellow who heisted the dog. I I thought about that and how terrible that was. 
And I couldn't believe that this escaped you, but um, I came up with a, a what I think would be a good category for anybody that steals a cat, a dog, or any other, a parrot, whatever. And instead of it being petty larceny, it would just be pet larceny. Oh, I like it, Neil. That's a good one. That is a good one. That's good. Hey, Neil, get, go ahead. Yeah. How do I get my email to you? Guys? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold. Uh, give it to Elias, and uh, and he'll take your email, and I'll 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 be in touch. You take Neil's email if you would. Uh, former listener of the week. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two two open lines if you want to comment. Mike is in St. James. Hi, Mike. The mayor's plan on the buses from the border, is that going to reduce the number of people arriving or just the hours at which they arrive? Yeah, I'm skeptical. I, I don't know that it's going to have much effect on, um, I mean, maybe the uh, bus charter companies that, are, char- that are, are chartering them here will be a little bit more reluctant to do this if they know they're going to have to go through all this uh, bureaucratic rigmarole. But I tend to agree with your hunch that, uh, I mean, that it's not going to do much unless uh, the governor of, of Texas makes a decision to stop sending them here to begin with. If he still wants to send them here and they adhere to the new restrictions that the mayor has laid out, I think you're right. I think you're going to see the same situation. Well, well, if, if the mayor has no plan to reduce the number of people coming and no source of money to pay for it, wouldn't that sort of a guarantee default of some kind? Yeah, I, I mean, it certainly, as Yogi would say, it's getting late early, Mike. As, as I said in one of my local commentaries on this subject, the problem is the right to shelter. As long as anybody can come to New York City and be expected to have everything paid for them, that's unsustainable. Unsustainable. Even if they were coming at much less of a rate than they are now, it's just a disaster. Lewis is in Kingston, New York's first capital. Hello, Lewis. Yes, Frank, thank you. Uh, I have a denunciation of my own that I've long held. And I'd like like to run this by you. Uh, I want to denounce the, the the term political correctness. And, and the reason I, I've never liked it is because baked into the cake, by virtue of the word, one person's right or one, uh, one group is right, one group is wrong. Okay? And I would like to put forth the term politically fashionable because uh, trends come – Beliefs change, but to to hold somebody up to be politically right and politically wrong or incorrect and correct is making assumptions uh, that one person's completely right from the get-go. I I like that, Lewis. Uh, I like it. You know, now they've sort of abandoned the term political politically correct and replaced it with woke but i'm sure political correctness will make a comeback as a term and uh, i like that politically fashionable i think makes it's a more apt description lewis i think that's fine 800-848-9222 800-848-9222 maria is in glendale hello maria hi frank Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Thanks for listening. I'm calling about what you were talking about, taking down the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely keep it up if you're a Christian. Um, We're in the fifth day of Christmas. Uh, The 12 days of Christmas actually falls on the 25th and runs through the 6th. So if you're a Christian and you celebrate Christmas, you've got to keep it up. Got to keep it up, right? No doubt about it. Absolutely. We're in the fifth day. A lot of people don't realize we start decorating and getting ready for Christmas, like before Thanksgiving. 
before Thanksgiving, before Halloween, and people, the 25th comes, 26th, they take it down. No, no. And that's not the case. If you're a Christian, if you're a Catholic, you keep it up. People don't realize we're in the fifth day. We're, we're actually celebrating Christmas for these 12 days. Uh, therefore, um, it, it's, it's not even a question. You are celebrating right now. Right now is where you should be uh, enjoying the time with the family and doing lots of things. Go, go in the city, go see the tree, do, do all these wonderful Christmas, not, not take your tree down and it's over in one day. Um, so this has been a discussion in my house, and I, I've just come to realize that myself, we keep it up always. We take it down on the 7th. I think, I think uh, Rockefeller Center Christmas tree comes down after the 6th as well, which is great. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't. They, they throw their treats to the curb, and it's sad because we have all these wonderful days without the stress after Christmas Day to actually celebrate the birth of Jesus. I mean, um, so that's my that's my point. I wanted to make that. That's a big <laughs> discussion in my house this week. And <clears throat> well, I'm with you uh, absolutely, Maria. And uh, hopefully, that endorsement will help make things uh, you know a little easier on the home front. If Maria agrees with me, how can I be wrong? Honestly, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. Uh, good morning, Frank. Morning, Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. Hi. Thanks. Um, I was going to comment on the uh, the Montana with the the DUI. I had a my first boss is from Montana, and he used to tell me about how it was legal to drink and drive there. And I wanted to fact check, and I just saw that until 2005, it wasn't even a state law that you couldn't drink and drive. So up until that point, you could you know many places do that, and there weren't even like speed um, you know speed limits and stuff like that. So you have a whole generation of people out there that are used to those laws and probably don't take too kindly to the state, you know, implementing, implementing the, uh, the DUI well, laws. I'll tell you what surprises it doesn't, it does not surprise me what you're saying. I, I definitely buy that they had very liberal, um, or very lenient, uh, drinking and driving laws for a long time. And maybe that's ingrained in part of the culture now, unlike places like uh, New York or New Jersey. What surprises me about what you're saying is I was under the impression that as of uh, 2002, that the the federal government was denying states highway funds unless those states reduced their uh, DUI number to 0.08 of the legal limit, because New York used to have it 0.10 up until 2002, and then they reduced it to 0.08. And I was told that the reason they did that was because that was essentially a, a federal mandate. They were using the, the highway grant money to kind of lure the states into doing this. But the fact that you're saying that it was um, legal to drink and drive until 2005 I'm a little surprised by that. I'm going to have to look into that further, but I definitely, it definitely sounds like there's something to what you're saying. Yeah, no, and I agree with what you're saying, too, because it's so rural, and maybe that's why it took them three years to, to fall in line, because, you know, they didn't really need to build up their highway infrastructure. But anyway, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Brandon. Stay out of Montana, right? If you're a driver or a pedestrian, stay out of Montana. 800-848-9222. Jim is in the Queens. Hello, Jim. Yes, hi, Frank. Uh, I'm enjoying your show. Thanks. I just want to mention that, uh, that people are not talking about the possibility that these UFO videos that they're showing and whatnot are, are basically staged and faked uh, as a misdirection, like to keep people thinking about space and aliens and whatnot. Now, we're, especially where we got 
like uh, the uh, Epstein stuff coming out at, at the end of the year, the names, uh, a lot of stuff are being uh, implemented via kangaroo courts, uh, throwing Trump's name out of, out of uh, ballots and whatnot. So I, I think it's a whole AI misdirection type of like CIA or whatever government uh, agency shenanigans. Just to, this, this basically scare people and scare people abroad as well. Maybe prevent the possible war by saying, hey, we have aliens. Let's all group together and become like, you know, a team and go against the aliens or protect ourselves or whatever. Who, who knows? But I don't believe it. Well, so Jim, tell me the what you think the motive might be in staging these videos. Misdirection, misdirection. Like keep your keep your eye on the birdie. Like look at the birdie. Don't pay attention to the Epstein names who's on on those on that list. Don't pay attention to the fact that we're weaponizing our justice system and legal system to basically uh, keep a president that everyone wants back. Uh, back in power. They're doing everything quite possible to, to hide their shenanigans and their criminal acts and to prevent Trump from becoming president again. I, I think it's it's just like they, they talk about that a lot of the space stuff they did back in the day was to basically make Russia lose money by investing money in, in a space program or whatnot. I don't know. I don't really truly believe that. But this day and age, we do have the technology to fake uh, such videos. It's, it, it's not possible to do the things th- those spaceships do that they call they, the mm-hmm. UFOs do in our atmosphere. It, it would immediately explode and just disintegrate if you try to move an object at that speed, even if it's a drone. It's, it's, if you speak to an engineer, they'll tell you it's not physically possible. There's no magic to it. You, you can't you can't just undo that's the fact that we have air pressure. And we have water pressure. They talk about the UFOs going into the water at a thousand miles per hour or something like that. That's, that's impossible. That's completely physically, by the laws of physics, impossible. That's not possible. The only thing that comes from is the imagination of, of a Star Trek writer, like someone who writes sci-fi, would make that. And people who are gullible are going to believe it because they don't they don't understand how physics works, and they they, they are believing what narrative that the that the press is pushing out there. Right. Well, you know, all right, funny. Jim, I, I have to break, but um, I uh, I don't buy that. I don't believe what you're saying, that this is being put out there as a distraction to uh, keep Trump from winning the election. Uh, I don't believe that at all, because these sightings go back way before Trump. Right. And I mean, look, if you look at what these whistleblowers are saying, uh, David Grush and others, uh, to me, they seem quite credible, and I don't believe what they're doing is by any stretch a an attempt to uh, get Trump out of the race or anything like that. I, I think it. I don't. I don't buy it. Okay. Um, continue with your calls in a moment. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. I seen your picture. Your name. 
minutes until the top of the hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight, our final program of the year. Uh, Tony, what is this? What song is this? Steely Dan pick. Uh, Steely Dan. So you're a big 80s music guy, I guess. Yeah. That's your thing? Okay. All right. Well, you know. I like 80s music, but um, I don't know. This is, uh, I don't feel like this is very overnighty, this one. But, you know, nothing against Steely Dan. They've, um, you know, they've certainly had their fair share of, uh, of, of bad breaks recently. All right. Hey, you know, you know what's happening next week in the Morano household? Carmine is starting school, so or preschool. So he's only two years old, uh, but he's going to be doing this program where he's in preschool, or I mean, it's basically daycare, but there are educational components to it. He's basically going to be doing four hours a day, uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., and uh, our thinking is maybe this is a good opportunity for him to socialize with other children and meet other children and, uh, you know, be out of the house even when it's cold so that uh, he's not always trying to watch television and getting upset when, you know, when we tell him he can't watch television during the day. His favorite thing is to, not his favorite, but uh, he loves to say, few minutes, JJ, few minutes, JJ, because sometimes he'll ask to watch Coco Melon, which he calls JJ, and um, my wife or me will say, okay, you can watch for a few minutes. So now he only asks for a few minutes. Few minutes, JJ, few minutes, JJ. So um, that's uh, next week. So we'll see how that goes. I'm hoping he does well. He's usually pretty good with people, especially other children. Although I had some friends over the other day and that he didn't really know them. And he was a little shy with them, actually. But we'll see. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping that goes well. And uh, my thanks to his babysitter, Lorraine, who has been a, a friend of mine for at least 17 years. And uh, she has been his babysitter for the last two years. So we're going to miss her. And I know Carmine's going to miss her. But, you know, it's the next stage of his development. I'll tell you what else happened last week. I told you I didn't get my football picks in on time in my football pool. So they gave me my default picks, which are all the underdogs. Now, I did not win the week, but I did win. I did do very well. I finished second, I think. I think I won. I got 12 games correct. And again, not because I did anything other than being competent. And I am now in first place for our, you know, for our football pool for the season. So there's two weeks left. So I made picks this week on my own. I made sure to get them in on time. So far, I picked the Jets yesterday. I thought they would come within the point spread, and they were just trounced by Cleveland. So, so far, I'm 0 for 1. So it looks like I'm better off just going with the default picks of the underdog, but we'll see. That'll be nice. It'll be nice to win a couple of bucks, and then hopefully you know, pay for some of the expenses of our New Year's Eve Eve party. That's this weekend. We're doing our New Year's Eve Eve party. We have a big wine and cheese party and uh, a bunch of other things that uh, we're going down to Atlantic City for, which I'm looking forward to. And then I'll be back on Sunday uh, afternoon uh, to spend New Year's Eve at home, uh, which is kind of my thing. I'm not a big New Year's Eve person. I like to watch the Twilight Zone, chill out, just kind of relax, take it all in, catch up on some text messages and phone calls, do some reading, and just take it easy. Not a big New Year's Eve guy at at all. So we've all sung, speaking of New Year's Eve, the song Old Lang Syne. 
Well, I did some research yesterday. Do you know what Old Lang Syne actually means? So the song Old Lang Syne, it goes back to a Scottish poem from 1788. And if the Old Lang Syne meaning has to do with remembering days gone by, the song must reminisce about the good old days, right? That's what you'd think. The original five-verse version of the phone of the poem essentially gets people singing "Let's drink to days gone by," which is an appropriate toast for the new year. So, "Old Lang Syne" is a piece of the long oral tradition of getting drunk and belting out a tune, but it can also be used as a funeral song, where it's played at the end of a funeral service or a graduation cer- uh, ceremony. So, now that you know what. The old Lang Syne actually means the term is from a nostalgic phrase that appeared in a Scottish song all the way back to 1588. So it's not necessarily clear why it became so popular, but it really started in the, like the 20s, less than 100 years ago. I thought that was interesting. Your influence counts. Use it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.